Hey, hey, friends. Welcome to the Lens of Faith podcast. Well, unless you've been hiding under a rock, you know that there has been a great revival spreading like wildfire across our country. Revival is the result of hungry, desperate, and humble Jesus lovers. With a heart of repentance, they posture themselves in full surrender. This revival, this outpouring, started at Asbury University over two weeks ago, is still going strong, and now has visitors coming from across the world, hungry, desperate to receive the transforming love of Christ. And I'm sure you know, friends, we are in desperate need as a country for revival. I'm excited to welcome my next guest, Pastor Matt Rice, to share his encounter at the Asbury Revival and his message for the church today. Hey, Pastor Matt. How you doing? Doing good. How are you? Pretty good. You actually had a post that my friend shared with me online. I really liked it. It actually went viral. Yeah, yeah. I think somewhere around 10,000 shares. Yes, let's make the message of Jesus viral. I know you have a specific heart for revival, right? You've been following it for quite some time. Yeah, so I, um, yeah, I was, you know, have been seeking, I guess, revival more than 30 years, really. And um, as a teenager, I played rock music and had my hair down to my waist and played in a Christian rock band, but I had an encounter with God that powerfully changed my life. And I was filled with the Holy Spirit around 10 o'clock praying with a friend in my car. And that encounter was so uh, powerful to me uh, that it radically changed my life, changed the direction of my life. And a couple of things out of that, I felt called to preach the gospel, uh, which was unique because I was extremely shy, voted shyest in my high school class, couldn't get up and read a speech in 12th grade. And suddenly in this experience, I felt God calling me to preach uh, to my generation. And I also had at that time a number of visions and times in prayer where I saw emerging generations. And at that time, you know, I was 18 and 19, my generation, just by the the thousands and the millions coming to Christ with an outpouring of the miraculous, an outpouring of deep revival. So that was kind of the context of my call to ministry from the beginning. And over the years, I, I went to Bible college and ended up traveling as an evangelist, did kind of YWAM type stuff for a couple of years with a ministry where we would take teams um, of young people into foreign nations and we would train them and then do crusades and have them preach and pray for folks. Really? My sister's been in YWAM for over 10 years. Oh yeah. And so it was kind of a theme, I guess, throughout, you know, over 30 years of ministry of seeking for revival. I attended the Brownsville Revival and that I believe was kind of the last in my opinion, national type of movement. You know, you had the um, Brownsville and Toronto and and people from all over the world came just seeking more of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but it seems like we've been about 20, uh, somewhere approximately 20 years without that kind of national type of or international outpouring, at least in our part of the world. And so when Asbury when I heard about Asbury, I was on vacation with my kids and grandkids, and I started to see it come across my feed. Uh, when I came home uh, the following week, and I only live three and a half hours away, I woke up on a Friday morning, and I felt God nudging me and saying, you need to get in the car, and you need to drive down to Asbury today. So I did it. 
and I wasn't sure what to expect. Drove into the town, and I had to find parking kind of far away. You could sense the presence of God, and the Holy Spirit had been dealing with me from that passage about uh, when Moses saw the burning bush. And if you remember, he saw the burning bush, but when he turned to engage with it, then God spoke. And I felt the Lord say, if you will turn to see this burning bush, I'll speak to you. So I'm standing in line and he said, you've turned and now I want to show you some things and begin to speak to me about our ministry, our church, what he's doing in a generation. But I just began to weep in line. And when I finally got two and a half hours later, it was freezing and you couldn't feel my feet, couldn't feel my toes. But two and a half hours later, uh, I got up to the front of the line and made it into the building and I was by myself, which was an advantage because they could put me in one little seat. And I got a seat right up at the front of the balcony overlooking the stage. And I just sat down. And when I did, just the presence of God in the room uh, was so powerful. It was similar to Brownsville, except a little different type of tone, if you will. And, you know, I think it's interesting that there's different types of movements of the Holy Spirit to hit different generational needs. And so this, what I felt at Brownsville, there's such a strong conviction of sin, such a strong conviction of righteousness and drawing to the altar. This was as strong, except there was such a sense of the love of God and such a sense of the peace of God, which is why I just sat there weeping. But the same result, I mean, people, young people running towards the altar, actually all ages running to the altar and worshiping just nonstop. Uh, for the three, uh, four hours that I was in there, and you didn't want to leave. You know, so it was just worship, brief work, exhortation, scripture readings, and uh, it was a pretty powerful day. Yeah, so it was amazing. So I, I, I came back, and, you know, our church where I believe in the beginnings of a revival, and people, similar types of things are happening in our services, uh, but I really feel like I needed to go down there and catch something, learn something. I think you're never too old. Well, you should you should never be beyond learning. And I think the mistake, sometimes we've been around for a while and we think we know everything and God wants to remind us, you can learn from everybody and you should learn. And so it was a great, great moment. It really was. For sure. I mean, I was born and raised in the church, but God still catches me by surprise. You know, when we humbly seek him and we're hungry and we're desperate, then we're going to have a fresh encounter. That's not going to be like the one before. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's always keeping it fresh. You know, <laughs> you're never bored with God. That's right. That's right. Yeah, if you're bored, it's not God, right? <laughs> right, 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 exactly. And you were saying that it was a two and a half hour wait just to get into the building and that it was freezing. But that just shows you that God honors you when you are desperate and willing to push past your comfort zone, push past the norm. He really honors that. You know, when our flesh wants to give up, but we push past that. Yes. And that's how the Asbury Revival even started. You know, it was just a normal chapel service. I think there was only like 10 people in it, but there was a few that stayed behind and they just pressed in. And then one young student, he came up and he just started confessing his sin and repenting. I mean, I believe if churches, you know, ministries, if they seek revival, a lot of times they'll just get performance. But if you seek Jesus, you'll get revival. That's the key. Because revival really starts with the heart. But surrender, repentance, humility, pressing in and allowing the Holy Spirit to do whatever he needs to do in us prepares us for revival. I agree. It's well, that is like, like so well stated. Yeah, I, I think that's, you know, we have a history of, again, trying to schedule revivals. 
Right. I preached for 30 years, so I did a little evangelizing along the way, and and we'd schedule revival meetings. And I, I think within that, we the, the key was, as you stated, if we could be hungry for Jesus. And right. I think that's the key is, you know, sometimes we're seeking revival when uh, a lot of people have been referencing this, especially in regard to Asbury. The key is to seek Jesus. Right. And to surrender our hearts and our lives and allow him to convict of a sin, us, us right. of sin and and to be drawn to him. So um, we can have a revival, I think, anytime. But I do think, to your point, I think there are seasons where God begins to move powerfully. And right. one of the things I saw uh, that was kind of, that kind of struck me, I you know, I was moved personally. Uh, secondly, I was moved because of the number of young people in the room. And, you know, I, I don't know what the percentage of, uh, you know, 25 and under was in the room, but I know when they had them stand, it seemed like at least 50 to 60%, maybe higher. And so that touched my heart because there's so many that have given up even in the church, um, mm -hmm. on, you know, millennials, Gen Z and, and now Gen Alpha, you know, I've got my grandkids. Is that Gen Alpha? <laughs> I don't even know that term. Yeah. I think they started over, right? Gen Z. <laughs> But I was so moved by that to see that this was student led and but, you know, still a great covering, you know, of humble leadership at the university. But the one thing that struck me as I sat there, I was thinking about the Grammys because, you know, went on vacation. Don't get me started on that. Yeah. First thing I'm seeing in my social media feed is this awful. I, I didn't watch it, but that unholy uh, was the name of the song uh, that was performed on the Grammys on Sunday night. And. As I'm sitting there, I looked up and above the pipe organ is emblazoned the words, holiness unto the Lord. And I felt the Holy Spirit impress on my heart, you know, this idea that on Sunday night, you know, the enemy did everything he could do to present his side of the story called unholy. But God. But three days later, because three days later is when this revival began. Three days later with no lights, no press, just a handful of students sold out to Jesus, hungering after God. The Holy Spirit came in and brought a movement to emphasize holiness unto the Lord. And I sense the Holy Spirit say to me, you didn't think I would be outdone, did you? Come on. Yes. And that struck me. I'm telling you, I, I, as, as for the post, that seemed like that kind of resonated a lot with folks, because I think we're in a time where we have seen the enemy work. We're discouraged. Many of us have, you know, family members, or if you know, like me, you pastor folks, you want to reach emerging generations, and intuitively we know we have to have more than a game, we have to have more than programs, we have to have more than whatever we've been trying to do. We need a revival for younger generations, and so I believe this is the beginning of it. That that's what really moved me as well. It's bigger than Asbury, of course. We know it's breaking out across college campuses everywhere. Uh, but I believe it is there for any church, any individual, anyone that desires it. Revival is in the air, and it's going to be a movement that will be a modern-day Pentecost for emerging generations and for everybody. But I, I believe it's right here, and I'm so excited for it. When you mentioned the Grammys, we were on the same page because, you know, that made me so upset. You know, it's just the enemy is getting bolder and bolder running these streets. Yep. You know, we grew up with, even if you weren't a Christian, if you weren't saved, you still had a reverence for the things of God. That's right. You still had respect for faith, but now there's just this blatant mocking of God. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Imagine all the children that had to see that satanic display and then to win an award for a song called Unholy. Yes. It just shows you the immoral decline that has happened in our country. 
we desperately need a move of God. Yeah. But a few nights ago, I got some cool revelation. You know, Sunday, the devil showed up at the Grammys to perform the song Unholy. But three days later, God showed up to spark the Asbury revival that spread like wildfire, reminding the world who is holy. Exactly. Just the significance of three days. Jesus was resurrected in three days. Three days later. You know, he resurrects things in three days. He's resurrecting the church. He's resurrecting the spiritually dead. And he will not be mocked. Yes. Yes. The devil might have had his five minutes, but God was like, please, (laughs) (laughs) let me show you like nonstop going on two weeks now and still going today. Yeah, exactly. You know, sometimes God surprises you or he moves in a way that you don't expect him to. But when it comes to him starting revival with Gen Z, I am not surprised. Oh, no. Because I've seen the devil target the younger generation. I've done other podcasts on this. I really think that they're dealing with a lot more than we ever did growing up. I mean, we didn't grow up with social media. You know, this death culture, depression, suicide, a fentanyl epidemic, all the gender confusion, you know, the demonic activity and entertainment. Yeah. Just in the past five years, this has all increased. You know, we're older, so they're not going to come after us, you know, because they know that we're more set in our ways. We cannot be easily shaken in our faith. But Gen Z, you know, they're looking for acceptance. They're looking to fit in. They're going through all these changes. And so, you know, the enemy always preys on the weak. Yeah. He's targeting their vulnerability. I've seen it and it makes me so sad. You know, I have nieces and nephews that are around that age and younger. So it makes sense that just like the enemy is targeting the younger generation, God is also targeting the younger generation with revival. Revival in America is starting with the youth. Yeah, yeah. This reminds me, do you know the movie Jesus Revolution that's coming out tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to get to see it tomorrow. Me too. Well, that's literally my dad's testimony. Really? He grew up in California. He was a long-haired, shirtless, Levi-wearing, guitar-playing, pot-smoking hippie. Went to Woodstock, did it all. Make love, not war. But he got radically saved in the Jesus movement. Wow. He got rid of everything. I mean, even his music, God convicted him of, and he's never looked back. Wow. And now he has such a heritage. You know, he's had eight kids. He has nine grandchildren. So he's been faithfully serving God for 50 years. Wow. Wow. So when I first saw the preview for that movie, I just started weeping. And I just started thanking God for what he did in my dad's life back in the 70s, you know, in the Jesus movement. That revival made me who I am today. Yeah. Has he seen the movie yet? Well, not yet, because I think it comes out tomorrow. Plus, he's in California, so I think he's going with my mom and my sister. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Asbury Revival and Jesus Revolution are lining up at the same time. No. You know, there was a radical revival that happened back in the 70s, and it changed a generation. And now God's doing it again. God really has a heart to rescue and save the youth. Oh, I, I agree. And I think I think part of the message in the movie that's going to be so powerful, powerful for us and the story of the Jesus uh, movement revolution is that the church had to make a decision, will we accept a movement of God through young people? And as I understand this, you know, the movie is the story of Chuck Smith and Calvary Chapel, and, and his church was, of course, dying, and but he opened the door to the hippies 
that were being turned on to Jesus, and it became this movement. Uh, a lot of those churches, of course, closed their doors to them. I was interviewing uh, Glenn Kaiser. I don't know if you know who Glenn is. He played. He was in a band called Resurrection Band, which was one of the first Christian rock uh, bands, kind of heavy rock. I remember Petra and Striper, but I was more of a hip hop girl, actually. <laughs> and then I played in a Christian rock band later in the 80s called Legacy, and we did a little more of the Striper type stuff. But um, but Glenn came out of that Jesus Revolution uh, era, and he said, you know, he same thing. He was a hippie, came to Jesus, and he said a lot of the churches were so resistant. Uh, but those that kind of opened their doors uh, experienced this movement of God along with the Jesus movement. And I think part of the reason for this movie coming out is what is so interesting to me is the resistance of many. Uh, even in the little post that I put up there, some some people that I know pretty well resisting what God is doing and kind of having this legalistic type of grid to say, well, it can't be God because of this, or it can't be revival because of this. And I didn't want to say, well, can you at least celebrate a 24 seven worship service for two weeks by young people? And, uh, you know, so I think there's a, there's a moment for us of decision in the church. And, you know, I pastor a church today and I can tell you, my heart is like, God, let us not miss what you are doing and let us create a space, not for the church of tomorrow, because young people are not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. Right. So what do we do to create space for them to experience God and to begin to reach their generation? I think that, I think the movie has um, a couple different messages, but I think that's a powerful one to uh, those of us who are a little older is, you know, it might be a little different, then you did it. Generations are different, but let's see what God's doing and let's celebrate it and let's create space for him. So, yeah, I do think that movie is, is prophetic. I think that it's, it's, it is, um, in the timeline of God. And so we have here, we have Asbury and then this movie coming out to get us ready. Yeah. It's no coincidence. And I really believe those naysayers, you know, those people that cannot recognize that there is a powerful move of God happening. They're spiritually numb. Yes. I don't even live anywhere near that college, but I can still sense God's presence is moving in that place. Yep. Even watching it live, you can sense such a pure movement. I was watching it live the other day, and the president of the university was saying, turn off your cell phone. He was saying revival and going viral is not the same thing. I was like, amen. And I have read so many posts of people that have been there, and they all say the same thing. You know, there was no big names, there was no smoke machines, celebrity pastors, famous musicians. They're not asking for any offering. In fact, they're giving away free CDs and books. <laughs> they didn't even want the press there. In fact, there's another clip that was going viral that Tucker Carlson called them because, you know, he wanted to document this revival. And they told him, you know, we really like you, but we don't want you here <laughs> because what we have is so pure. We don't want anything to distract it. We don't want to make it about us. We're not trying to be famous or get coverage. We don't want anything to hinder this move of God. Tucker was like, wow, like it's so rare that anybody would deny free press. And he was actually so respectful of it. And he said, thank you for not wanting us to be there. He said, thank you for turning us down because we want it to stay the way it is. Yes. 
I actually was just reading a post from a girl that was just there, and she said, you know, she did see several well-known evangelists, pastors, Christian leaders in the audience, some having millions of followers online, but none of them were publicly recognized. You know, the focus was really just on Jesus. Yep. Student or celebrity, it didn't matter. They were all there for the same purpose, to worship God together. This really is proof that this is not orchestrated by man, but it is indeed a pure move of God. Yeah. And really to reach Gen Z and the younger generation, it can't be man-made. Yes. It can't be fake. They're so over it, you know? Yep. It has to be a real, authentic, raw, you know, Jesus met me, a life-changing encounter that only he can give. It can't be performance-based or program-driven. Those days are over. You know, they're living in a culture where they're questioning what's real. Yeah. They need something that they can trust, that they can tangibly hold on to. And Jesus is the answer. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting, too. Um, there's a lot of statistics out there, and there's a group called the Pine Tops Organization. The statistics, um, and I'm kind of approximating here, but it's they are predicting that at least one million young people are leaving the church, evangelical churches in America, you know, so they, they get to graduation, go to college and they're leaving the church and they're not coming back. And, um, I think it was 40, they predict by 2050, 40 million or 50 million will have been gone if something doesn't change, you know, so the purpose of their study is not to, uh, promote, you know, some sort of hopelessness, but basically they're saying we got to do something. And another statistic that's interesting, the new Barna report on Generation Z, you know, kind of documents similar type of activity, but also notes that when it comes to the question of what do Generation Z, and this is in the church and outside of the church, think about Jesus, a majority are still very interested to learn about Jesus. So they might be leaving the church, but they're still open to learn about Jesus. And so when I look at that, I think, you know, maybe the problem is the church and, and I love the church. I'm a pastor. Uh, I'm part of the church. I buy into the church, but I also think that every generation, when there is a crisis like this of such a huge exodus, we have to prayerfully look at ourselves before God and say, God, what do we need to change? And to that point, I think we need to really say, God, let this be about Jesus. Let it not be about us. I think sometimes it's about anything but Christ. And so I think what we're seeing here is to some of the points that you made, authenticity. We just want Christ and the presence of Christ, but also the nature of Christ, the love of God. The one thing that was interesting too that stuck out to me, I know, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to the sermon that kind of kicked everything off. The summary of his message was essentially... He preached from Romans where it talks about having love for one another, showing hospitality, and his message was we need to experience the love of God in our life because that brings turnarounds and repentance, and then we need to become the love of God. So experience love, become love. And he brought about a couple of great points was, hey, you cannot change. You cannot turn things in your life around unless you've experienced the true love of Christ. So he was pleading with the audience that day, experience God's love for yourself. So many of you have been hurt, you've been abused, you've been through things, but experience the love of God that will change your life. And then let's become that love. I think that's the message of obviously, you know, that's the great 
commandment and the great commission. Uh, so it's, it's new Testament Christianity, but I think it's also the message that's that is really resonating with all of us, but particularly young generations, authentic. Let's experience the love of God. Let's get free. Let's, let's live holy, but let's also go out and let's change our world by loving people rather than being angry and denunciatory and all of those things that sometimes we're known for. And um, so I, I think that's what's happening, this radical reshaping of the church, maybe the most radical reshaping since the Protestant Reformation. I really think it's that radical, and it's becoming a true Jesus movement, right? It's a Jesus movement. Praise God. Absolutely. Well, Pastor Matt, it's been amazing having you on. I really enjoyed our conversation. As we wrap up today, is there anything else on your heart? Well, first of all, thank you for having me on. I love what you're doing, and uh, I'm so grateful to be a part of this. I, you know, am so excited about what God's doing in the earth, and to see, you know, the excitement, uh, which I think is the thing that's surprising a lot of people, uh, whether it's Fox News or even a lot of people in the church, is that there are a whole lot of people that are hungry for a move of the Holy Spirit. And to see, uh, did you see the map that they're putting out there, the number of nations that that's another thing that's kind of going viral is they've produced this map to show all of the nations that have come into Asbury in the last two weeks. And it's just like all over the world, uh, people flooding there. I did see that there was a group from Chile there. They didn't know English, but they were still there to worship God. Yeah. Yeah. I was in line. There were some folks from Brazil behind me that had, that came in. And then I heard a story of somebody who sold their car to be able to afford a plane ticket. So it's this great hunger. And I think, you know, my, my thoughts, if I had to leave, you know, everybody with something is stay hungry and get hungrier for Christ. And that it's in the air right now. I think we, a lot of us, we've been praying for this, hoping for this, going after God for this for so many years. And I feel like the well, last thing I'll share is this. I, in November, I always kind of pray, what's, what's the word for this year for our church? And I was feeling revival. And I was sitting on my couch in November, and I felt the Holy Spirit correct me. And he said, not revival, the revival. Wow. And I said, what do you mean by the revival? And he said, this is the revival, the culmination of the Joel chapter 2 revival that I'm getting ready to pour out on the earth. And he said, this is not just a new year. This is a new season. It's a season of the revival where I'm going to begin to pour out my spirit. So that was in November. I've been preaching on that in January and really exhorting our church to say, let's press in, let's pray, let's believe for it. And, you know, and then to look up and, you know, preach a lot of things, but to look up and say, oh my gosh, this is happening. Yes. And so I think just the encouragement, it's for all the hungry, everyone who loves Jesus, let's go get this and press in and let's uh, spread the love of Christ to our generation. 100%. <laughs> Would you pray us out today? Absolutely. Well, Father, we thank you for this opportunity, God, to talk about you. And we know that you are always with us. We're two or more gathered together. You are there. And we have just come to celebrate you and talk about what you're doing today. We pray, God, for what you're doing in the world at Asbury, on college campuses, in churches all over the world. And we know it is your heart, uh, Father, that people come to know Jesus and that the Holy Spirit has been given uh, to come in great power to bring about the revelation of who Jesus is. So let that continue to move throughout the world. I pray for the listeners, and I thank you, Father, that I know their hearts have been stirred in the last couple of weeks. I pray, God, that there we would just—I I pray that today we've just poured oil on the fire, 
And God, I pray that they would begin to continue to hunger after you, move in the things of God, bring salvation to their family members. Let their churches explode. And God, let the revival spread everywhere in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you. Bless this podcast. And um, we, we thank you, Father, for everything that you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And thank you so much for being on today. Amen. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Make sure to subscribe to get all the blog and podcast updates at leahmariecarson.com. Follow on Instagram at The Lens of Faith. And be sure to subscribe to The Lens of Faith podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google. Remember, friends, life becomes clearer when you focus through the lens of faith. Talk to you soon. Bye.